Oh, the sun's gonna shine in my life once more. Love's gonna live here again. Things are gonna be the way they were before. Love's gonna live Good morning, good morning, good morning. Cable Smith welcoming everybody into SCI's Lone Star Outdoor Show presented by Mossberg Firearms. Thank you so much for being here today. It is a pleasure, a treat, an honor to be talking, hunting, fishing, the great outdoors, and all that implies with you fine folks. So thanks for spending a part of your week with me. As always, I do appreciate it. We've officially come to the end of the road for duck season, for deer season, for most folks, unless they're you know hunting late season MLD, which the majority of us are not. But uh, for those of you who are, rock and roll. Uh, I guess quail season still going on and what else, uh, conservation, snow goose season, which we hit on last week has opened up. But other than that, it's feral hogs. Maybe some, some folks are hunting exotics. Uh, but this is like from now until middle of March when spring turkey season opens up, this is like, I think the most dead that it gets until summertime, right? Uh, the crappie and largemouth will be spawning soon, but still got a, an, at least another month on that. So, yeah, I guess it's time to wash the truck, which I did this past week, and catch up on a couple hours of lost sleep. A couple nights of, a couple weeks maybe of lost sleep. If uh, if, if your eyes are red and, and there's bags under them like mine have been. Yeah, this past week I, I slept in a few days, not going to lie. What's sleeping in when you're almost 40? Well, if you get to sleep till 8 o'clock, you're doing pretty good. But anyway, we've got a great show lined up for you today, so you know what to do by now. Pull up that stool a little closer to the old campfire. Pour yourself another cup of coffee out of that beat-up old Stanley Thermos because we're ready to get things rolling here with one of the most well-known names in the outdoor community, one that is certainly synonymous with Western big game hunting. That is the Eastman name, Eastman's Hunting Journal, and Ike Eastman will be here for the duration of today's conversation. We've got a ton to get into, and uh, I know we'll specifically hit on the evolution of a hunter. Uh, what about wolves and their place in the ecosystem? Uh, also, how have wolves changed the behavior and the migration of elk in his home state of Wyoming? Uh, that's a fascinating topic to hit on, as is Ike's take on which state offers the best over-the-counter opportunity to take a trophy-class bull elk. Uh, that's right, over-the-counter bull elk. Uh, we'll get into that. Um, there's going to be a lot of stuff uh, that we're going to hit on today. So excited to have Ike Eastman join us. And uh, since we've kind of got the Western theme going today, how about for a giveaway, we'll do a Lone Star Outdoors show first light cipher camouflage pattern, a branded cap, and we'll throw in a box of Crimson Talon broadheads as well. So to uh, to enter to win this week's giveaway, just email the word, let's say backcountry, that's backcountry to Lone Star Outdoors show at gmail.com. We'll be right back with Ike Eastman on SCI's Lone Star Outdoor Show. She just started like a cheating song. 
The spawn is right around the corner. Your reels have been re-spooled and the tackle box is ready to roll. But the question is, can your truck handle another season of pulling your boat in and out of the water every weekend? Call David Boone at Third Coast Diesels. He'll make sure your truck is not what sinks your next fishing trip. Offering a widespread array of diesel parts and services, call 214-326-1176 or visit thirdcoastdiesels.com today. Cable here reminding you to check out the Polestar Helion 2.0 Thermal Monocular if you haven't already. It's got all the great features that you've come to expect from Polestar. Internal recording, varied color palette, and it's an essential tool for scouting so that you don't blow animals out of your sets. I use it on all my whitetail hunts and, of course, predator and hog hunting as well. You can find the Helion 2.0 at Pulsar nv.com and get this you'll save 20 percent off when you use my promo code lone star underscore pl when you purchase any pulsar thermal or night vision monocular Oh, yes, the sounds of my youth. That is Social Distortion, punk rock band covering Johnny Cash's classic 1963 tune, Ring of Fire. Cable Smith here with you. Thank you so much for dropping by SCI's Lone Star Outdoors show presented by Mossberg Firearms. We're all set to head out west for an in-depth discussion with Eastman's Ike Eastman. But before Ike jumps on here, this segment of the show... Brought to you by Vortex Wear. Y'all have seen, I mean, you had to have seen all of the awesome shirts and caps that Vortex has put out over the years. They've got an entire lineup now of casual to leisure to outdoor gear and wear that you can find at uh, the Vortex website. And here's the cool thing. You'll save 20% off any Vortex apparel when you use my promo code LONESTAR underscore 20. So be sure to uh, take advantage of that. Vortex, the force of optics. What do y'all say we go ahead and bring on our guest today, joining us from Eastman's Hunting Headquarters, a journal TV show. They've got so many different outlets these days. It is my pleasure to welcome Ike Eastman to the show. Appreciate it. Yeah, my pleasure. So uh, first of all, for our audience, where are you joining us from today? <laughs> I'm in the uh, deep, deep state of Wyoming. Uh, we are the least populated state. And the most gun-toting state in the Union. So nice. we're up about 70 miles east of Cody. So Wyoming is one western state that I have not hunted before. Uh, I'd say the closest I've been to you is Montana. And then I hunted on the Colorado-Wyoming border one time. I did a uh, – it was cool because I got to rifle hunt elk during the rut for with a oh, yeah. uh, ranching for wildlife permit, which was really yep. crazy uh, to think – I've only ever done it with a bow. Until I had that experience, and was like, "This is not really even fair." <laughs> yeah, it's cheating, isn't it? it it's it, definitely. I, we take. Uh, I felt a little dirty. I'm not gonna we, lie. <laughs> <laughs> we we uh, take our our bow hunting magazine. We draw out of the subscriber base every year. We draw a hunt winner 
and uh, we take them down to southern Colorado and do a ranching for wildlife hunt oh, on a big ranch. And it lucky is, for them, it's a lot of fun. It is. It's oh yeah, <laughs> it's cheating. <laughs> great. Well, it's a great management tool. You know, you can look at a lot of a lot of bulls up close and personal, and you know you're going to pick the right one if you can uh, have the luxury of of hunting with a rifle during the rut. Uh, there's no doubt about that. It, it is a great um, management tool. It gets the landowners involved in the wildlife management and, you know, gets them vested in it, which is, it's, that's a huge part, especially in yeah. states like Colorado, where there's a ton of the wildlife existing almost an, uh, full year, you know, all the season on the ranches. So it works really well. Yeah. Well, and then like the, um, I guess the payoff for the public is that those ranches have to open up to Colorado residents uh, they have to do X number of, based off how many bull elk tags they get for the rut, um, for, you know, rifle tags that right. they can then sell. Then they have to do, I think the ranch I was on was like 50 cow tags and one or two bull tags they had to open up to the yep. Colorado public. Yep. And they're, they're, they're are their actual, they have their own unit. So it's, you know, that ranch is a specific unit you can put in for, um, like the place we hunt on, you can put in for it and it'll take you know, 26 years to draw it because <laughs> it's so good. <laughs> yeah. But yeah. it's, yeah, it's, it's a good management tool. Yeah. Um, yeah, it was, it was different though. And, and I've since been on one other guided elk hunt, uh, totally different than how I'm used to chasing them on public land because we don't give them a break. We don't, we're relentless. We don't care if we blow them out of their bedroom. <laughs> I don't get, I mean, I'm not going to quit hunting at, at 10 o'clock, but on right. these places, they don't want to drive the elk back onto the public because they, you know, they want right. to keep them on the private. So like, Oh, 10 o'clock it's quitting time guys. We've got to go back yep. to the, to the camp. And I'm like, what? Yep. The first day I was like trying to argue with the guy. He's like, <laughs> yeah. He's like, the reason they're here is because we don't molest them in their bedroom. So yeah, it was a totally different, different <laughs> experience. Um, so the, the Eastman name is one that's certainly synonymous with Western big game hunting and, you know, a legacy that your father, Mike, began in the late 80s. You and your brother, Guy, have only furthered that. But my understanding is that it actually wasn't your dad, uh, who's the OG of uh, outdoor content creation. Yeah, actually, it was my grandfather who uh, started. He started filming in 1957 in Alaska. Um, he was he was a guide up there for a couple seasons mortgaged the house, did, you know, did that and bought a camera and went to Alaska and started filming wildlife, not necessarily hunts mm -hmm. uh, per se. He used to, he used to, before he passed away in 96, he used to tease us that uh, kill shots were uh, cheating. And uh, so it was almost always back then it was just wildlife. And, and you got to understand in the fifties and sixties, people down, he lived in Washington at the time, at the time, the state, you know, people didn't, they weren't, notice or they didn't see photos and video of those types of animals stone sheep and doll sheep and caribou and 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 uh you know polar bears all that stuff so it was they were in awe of it uh -huh. and you know that kind of led into him filming for disney and he started making his own theatricals and lived in hollywood for a number of years and and uh you know kind of it parlayed into what what we're doing now my dad started the our our ship our main ship is eastman's hunting journal uh, he started that in 1987 and then it, you know, grew into another publication, which is our Eastman's bow hunting journal and then uh -huh. show which we've been on a TV outdoor channel almost as long or well, longer, almost than everybody. There's about three shows that I've been on there as long as we have. 
And uh, ours is unique because it's all Western big game. Yeah. Elk, yeah. mule deer, antelope, sheep. When your grandfather Gordon um, started that that filming, you mentioned like people didn't see it. Where where would they see that? Maybe in an encyclopedia? Um, I don't know where, like today you can yeah, just the, get on anywhere, you know, social media or Google or whatever. I mean, you can find these things anywhere, right. which is, that's different from even when we were kids. So right. I guess maybe yeah, yeah, encyclopedias they, or something. They would see it. Yeah. Encyclopedias, maybe a, a random movie would have, you know, some clip of a monster that, you know, Sasquatch that looked like a polar bear. I don't know. Yeah. But yeah, it was, it was awing. In fact, I get all the time I get people contacting us saying hey man i used to watch your grandfather because he'd come home and, and he would live narrate it so it, you uh-huh. know that they didn't have audio equipment really back then so he would live narrate it in front of a state on a stage in front of a you know 500 people at a high school auditorium in spokane washington and he'd travel uh-huh. all around doing that and so it, he affected a lot of people and to this day we get people going oh, i watched your grandfather i was a little kid and you know we were in spokane high school auditorium and i just you know i just can't believe what we saw <laughs> and just awe. In fact, that's what spurred me to hunt for the rest of my life and teach my kids. And it's pretty cool. It's neat to see those stories, hear those well, stories. I guess when I was a kid, it was Marty Stauffer's Wild America. And and so your yeah. grandfather was like, you know, ahead of his time. Um, probably Marty Stauffer yeah. knew of your grandfather. Oh, yeah. They, they were actually, uh, Marty did some filming for my grandpa Gordon uh, in his early, early years, huh. just, you know, trying to learn the ropes. So yeah, oh, my grandfather, cool. because I, you can imagine back then it was a really small world. That was a really small world. So everybody knew each other and, and uh-huh. uh, yeah, it was, it was pretty neat. I got awesome. to, you know, sitting as a kid, I got to sit around with, with the legends of our industry sitting there with Fred bear in my grandfather's living room, <laughs> them chewing the fat about polar bear hunts and talking this. And it was, it, it's things that you didn't realize happen until you were older in life, you know, that, yeah you got to meet all these people and had no idea who they were. Cause you were, you know, self-absorbed in your own <laughs> middle uh-huh. school drama or whatever it is. Right. Right. Yeah. So where are we today as far as Eastman's, uh, how many entities you guys have? I mean, I've watched your show for years and years. Um, but if you go to your website, I mean, there's a bunch of other uh, media yeah. content that you guys put out. Yeah, we've we've uh, we've kind of parlayed the two journals into the TV show, and then parlayed that into um, an online presence with uh, Beyond the Grid, which is a YouTube uh, TV, and and that's that's been a lot of fun because it's completely different. The audience is different. The you know how they watch and what they watch is different. So that's been a challenge, but a lot of fun. Uh, we we also started uh, Wingman, which is our wing shooting. Uh, division and uh, mm-hmm. ducks and we were talking before the show that you know our winter this what year ducks is horrible, so my guys are... <laughs> yeah exactly i don't know where the heck they're all sunbathing in northern canada i think yeah. <laughs> yeah. it's bad but you know have that division does ducks and in upland and all that uh then we have uh, our podcasts you know we have our own podcast eastman elevated which is western big game stuff and and brian barney our host there does a fantastic job you know he he's he's really detailed and loves to share his knowledge and get guests that share, you know, knowledge on how to do it, where to do it, tactics and stories. And they, you know, they do a real good job. And then we also have a fly cast, which is a fly fishing podcast and that mm-hmm. whole division. And it's more of a, uh, it's more of a Western 
fishing, but it, it really, it, we're really starting to focus uh, a little bit more on the adventure. You know, hey, we're going to go tarpon fishing or flats fishing or red fishing down to Texas or whatever. And yeah. how do you do that? You know, here's a way to do it on the cheap. Here's a way to do it, you know, with, with a guide and an outfitter or whatever. So that's kind of fun. Um, we also have our tag hub, which we started about a year ago. And in the back of the Eastman's Hunting Journal for more than 20 years now, we were the first to do this. We started putting together, because out West, you have to draw the tags. As right. we were talking about earlier, you have to draw those tags and application process and each state's different and which units are good, which units aren't good. You know, do I want a weapon, you know, which weapon do I want to use? Do I want grizzly country? Do I want mountains? Do I want, you know, whatever terrain, you know, what type of trophy am I looking for? Is it just a meat hunt? Is it, you know, a trophy elk hunt, whatever. And so, you know, it can get very complicated. And so 20 years ago, actually longer than that, 25 years ago, we started what we call the Mirrors research section or the MRS in the back of the magazine. And it kind of helps guys walk through each state, how to apply for them, when to apply, when the draws. And, and we took that uh, here a couple of years ago and build it into a digital version. And so mm. you can, you can pull it up and you can sort, all right, I want Colorado and I want mountain terrain and I want uh, elk, you know, bulls only rifle tags. And it'll pull up all those areas that have that. And then you can sort through those areas and, and really refine it down to, this is the terrain I want. You know, this is, I have this many points so I can draw these tags. Is this something I want to do? Um, and it's ever growing. I mean, there's plans for it to have members section where it keeps track of your points and it, and it, you know, you can hit a hit, you know, my layers and it pulls up all the units that you can draw with your point system, the num number of points you have. So it's, it's really, really neat. Um, and it also has its own content on there. So there's stuff that we're writing that are, is specific for the tag hub, hub member members. There's TV uh -huh. shows on there that come out before they go anywhere else. Um, you know, there's a lot of stuff, a lot of stuff. And is, so that just like a, a membership based platform? It is. Yep. Membership based. Uh, there's a couple, three different levels, depending on how, how far, how deep you want to get into it. And uh -huh. you know, there's gear uh, reviews and then there's gear giveaways on there. We're giving away some hunts on there. Um, and yeah, so it's, it's pretty neat. And it gives you the, a bunch of different layers. Like you can do a drought layer or a predator layer. Um, you know, obviously in Wyoming and we're having a, <laughs> we're having hell with predators. I was talking to a guy over lunch about our wolf problem and how they've affected the elk migration and completely changed it from 10 years ago and yeah. uh, elk are still around but they're in different places than they were which another reason why you need tag hub because that stuff comes out in the wash you might might have been putting in for one area that, that used to be five years ago used to be epic right but the elk migrations changed because of the predators and now you want to put in for you know two areas closer to the wind range that type of stuff Okay, so a great resource there for the Western big game enthusiast. Uh, we are going to knock out a quick break when we come back. We'll start to wade through the wolf discussion. That segment, by the way, brought to you by First Light and the Guide Light Pant. It's going to come in handy when I cross the pond uh, over to Africa here in a couple weeks because it's going to be the heat of their summer, and the Guide Light Pant will keep me cool during the heat of the day. And I'm talking about, you know, think of a Texas summer. Well, we're going to be hunting Cape Buffalo in those temperatures because the uh, 2020 trip got postponed. I'm not sweating it because the guide light pants going to keep me cool. You can find it at firstlight.com. First light, go further, stay longer. 
We'll be right back with more from Ike Eastman of Eastman's Hunting Journal on SCI's Lone Star Outdoors. Never saw sunrise on a mountain morning. Watch those cotton candy clouds go by. And they know why I live beneath these western skies. With city life seemingly getting crazier by the minute, the thought of moving out to the country is looking more appealing than ever. And Foster Farm and Ranch has been recognized as one of the nation's top ranch brokerages the past two years. They have listings in 22 counties and counting and are truly a statewide entity. Foster represents buyers and sellers from all walks of life. Farmers, ranchers, hunters, doctors, lawyers, investors, and possibly you. You can find them on Facebook, Foster Farm and Ranch, or Instagram, at Foster Ranch Sales. Of course, fosterfarmandranch.com, the website, or call Chad at 830-776-3605. This premium power sports is one of the largest pre-owned dealers in Texas. They specialize in sales of pre-owned ATVs and UTVs, many of which come fully accessorized. They also have a full service and repair center for most major brands and offer financing with a 500 credit score or better. They'll even finance parts and accessories such as Hyrax, roofs, and wheel and tire combos. Visit TexasPremiumPowerSports.com or check them out on Instagram at Texas underscore premium underscore power sports. That's TexasPremiumPowerSports.com. That's the band of heathens bringing us back on SCI's Lone Star Outdoors show presented by Mossberg Firearms. Cable Smith here with you. Thanks for dropping by today as we are talking all things Western Big Game with Eastman Hunting Journal's Ike Eastman. But before we get back into that conversation, this segment is brought to you by Stealth Cam and the Fusion Wireless Cell Camera. I've seen these things for as low as $159.99. It's incredible for a wireless trail camera that's going to send live pictures to your app right there on your cell phone. Uh, it's so easy and gone are the days of taking an hour to set up that app and connect your phone. Uh, it's it's so simple. I, it's mind-blowing. You just scan a QR code and bam, you're online. It's awesome. It's the Fusion. You can find it at stealthcam.com. Uh, well, Ike, before we talk wolves, I did want to ask you with you know, a lifetime of Western big game experience. Which species is your favorite one to pursue? Because, you know, through the beauty of Zoom, I can see that giant mule deer on your wall there in the background. So, uh, that's actually a buck my dad shot a number of years ago. Uh, oh, really? Him. He's a cheater buck. Yeah. <laughs> uh, he's a Wyoming deer. He's he's a heck of a deer. Really. Yeah. He's My dad hunted him for three years, and that buck outsmarted him. It was unreal. That buck would literally have a hole up into the brush that he would go over the hill. They always, they always knew where he was, but he'd go up over the hill and disappear and they couldn't find him. So once you saw him and didn't, and, and got one, you got one shot. And if you missed him or, or messed that, that opportunity up, he'd disappear and you'd never see him again. So for, it took him three years to, to, uh, uh, it went, you know, make the, the, everything, the stars align. And it was, it was pretty cool. It's on, yeah, I think it was on TV. I'm not, I'm sure it was. So what is your favorite species to hunt? Uh, gosh, probably either high country mule deer or antelope. I'm kind of a, I'm kind of an antelope connoisseur. 
because uh-huh. they're um, Wyoming has so many, and we have more antelope in Wyoming than we do uh, people. You know, it's there's 500,000 antelope in this state. Oh wow! So there's lots of opportunities. You get to you get to see a ton of animals. It's a great place to start hunters because you're driving around. It's not real physical. The weather's usually nice because you get to hunt them in September and uh, you get to see a bucks and you, and the difference between a mediocre buck and a Boone and Crockett buck is just near two inches. I mean, you, you'll see a lot of 77 to 79 inch goats that get over 80, which is only one to three inches is rare and it's hard and you got to be able to judge, you know, the difference. It, okay. Has he got length, but he doesn't have mass. Does he have, you know, the prongs, but he doesn't yeah. have length in all those different variations and be able to come up with something that's a trophy, but it's hard to walk yeah. away from hunting, especially as a young person that can physically do it. it's that's a lot of fun. It's like sheep hunting for deer. Really it is. Well, I'll tell you this. Um, if I saw a 77, inch antelope it's going down without a second thought so <laughs> you know i can judge a whitetail coming from texas i don't have any freaking idea how i've killed two pronghorn and i have no idea how to judge them so if i saw one that was like yeah that one looks good boom it's kind of, i guess it's kind of the brown it's down mentality for me when it comes to antelope <laughs> that's okay because i got i got uh material in tag hub that'll help you walk through on how to field judge an antelope field judge deer elk what, whatever you whatever you need right on right on where i'm from we look at whitetail all day long and and so I'm pretty good at judging that uh i think most people can tell oh that's a a, a booner mule deer and you know i've spent some time hunting mule deer but the pronghorn just like i had no idea i might as well be hunting yeah, something in africa um yeah the margins are so small you can tell yeah. holy crap that's a huge elk because it's mm-hmm. you know 50 inches bigger than the one you saw before <laughs> <laughs> not <Yeah>. three <laughs> yeah exactly an inch and a half on inch and a half on each side uh-huh it's like uh I, i'll put it like this so the first time i went to south africa i i we, we, we had just shot a warthog we're actually driving back to go back to camp for the evening and my ph carl was like oh that is a monster mountain reed buck i was like what the hell is a mountain reed buck first of all how and how much does it cost <laughs> yeah. he's like you have to shoot this he's <laughs> and, like it's, and it's, am it's I legal to shoot it yeah it's he's like it's it's like four hundred dollars or something it was insignificant when you're are when you've already invested so much to go someplace like that and uh i was like okay yeah it's the only animal that i've ever and I, and I had this misconception about Africa, like thinking it was going to be driving around on flat plains and, and shooting things out of trucks, which really didn't appeal to me. It, it was a trip right. that was facilitated through this line of work. And, uh, and so I was fortunate to go. And then, but then we get, I got over there and I was like, man, this is like Western big game hunting, especially like hunting kudu in the mountains was every bit like hunting elk, but without the bugling. Um, yeah. a lot of glass something a little even more wily yeah so that was the only time we ever jumped out of the truck and shot something and when we got up there i thought that the uh i thought my ph and the the tracker were gonna cry it was like this religious it was an eight inch mountain reed buck which apparently is like uh you know it's book giant. yeah and yeah. uh to me i was like okay that's cool uh you know they were like please shoulder mount this and i was like eh, it's gonna get a european mount <laughs> <laughs> that's when you just go okay yeah, let's prepare it for that way and yeah I'll that's, deal with it when i get home <laughs> that's what i did yeah exactly um uh, would you say i look at the outdoor community today and i i don't know it's kind of 
a weird thing because I'm looking at the deer on your wall. I've got animals all over my office, my trophy room, and I like I like big horns, big antlers, and would would certainly identify as a trophy hunter. And I asked, even asked Stephen Ronella this question a couple weeks ago, and he's like, oh, I don't ever use that term. You know, if someone wants to use that term and that's their hill to die on, so be it. But, but I was like, but aren't we all really trophy hunters? Are you going to shoot the the forky? Are you going to shoot, you know, the four by four if they both walk out? And we all know the answer. You want to catch a five pound bass or a 10 pound bass? Do you like big boobs or little boobs? You know, I mean, <laughs> that's that's human nature. So to say that we are not trophy hunters, I don't think is an honest uh, I don't think it's an honest representation of, of what we are. I guess the message is how do we convey to the general public that we're, we're more than trophy hunters, because certainly uh, those meals shared with family and friends, um, I mean, that's my favorite thing about it. You know, we talk about trophy hunting, obviously, uh, a ton in our magazine. You know, that's y'all are one of the few that don't distance from it, which I like. Yeah. And here's why my dad used to say this. Well, he still says this. If he was sitting right here, he would, he'd go on for an hour and a half about this. I, I usually, okay. So I'm going to ask you a question. Yeah. Guys play golf, right? Mm. Do they keep score? Of course. Guys play football. Do they keep score? My score is usually pretty high. Guys play basketball. Yeah. Everybody's <laughs> keeping score, correct? Yeah. There is a progression in hunting. People, I don't think there's enough people have, have learned this yet. There's a progression in hunting. There's also different types of hunters. There is a, a group of hunters that is all about the trophy. It has to be the biggest. And, and I don't, you know, once I've got a big one of this, whatever species, they go on to another species. There's nothing wrong with that. They're called collectors. And that's, we do that as well. You know, once I have a really cool collection of, let's say, whatever, antique, whatever, mm -hmm. I want another collection of antique something else. Right. Those are called collectors. And that's okay. It's human nature. There's also guys that are trophy hunters and they're spe species specific. Um, there's people in my office that are this way. They'll shoot an elk, but they really am looking at one right now. They really want to shoot a huge deer and they want to shoot, you know, they want to hunt and, and master uh, mule deer hunting. That's what they mm -hmm. want to do. They they'll shoot elk and they, you know, they do every year and they put them in the freezer and their, their family feasts off them all year, which is cool. But their, their deal is deer. There's guys in my office that eh, deer hunts fun, but I really love elk hunting. I moved, you know, to Cody from Thermopolis, Wyoming in order to elk hunt. Cause I love elk hunting. That's, another guy in our office there's guys that just want to, that are just getting into hunting and 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 i've watched this in my office as well in fact with one of our our female hunters in our office uh, she came to us and never hunted before hmm. wasn't completely against it but didn't know how she felt about it so i watched her progress from okay i'm gonna this year i'm just gonna shoot elk for food i'm gonna put stuff in the freezer and the next year she's like okay Come to find out we eat more meat than I thought. So now I need to shoot two does. Okay. And mm. she shoots two does. And then it progresses to, okay, now I got that down. It seems kind of easy. I want to shoot a buck. And so she shoots a little three point buck. She's like, okay, next year shoots another little three point buck. And then she progresses to go, okay, I got that. Now I want to do how to master something that is a little bit older. So three point buck, let's say he's two or three years old. 
I want to master and see if I can shoot a five-year-old. I don't really mm -hmm. care how big it is, but I want something a little bit older. Somebody that's got a little bit more wisdom in the, mm -hmm. in the field. So she shoots a five-year-old. Now she's full on trophy hunter. She will call herself a trophy hunter. She says, <laughs> she'll say, I want to shoot the biggest buck in this area. Yeah. And I hope he's eight years old because yeah. that buck is smart. And I'm going to match my wits with that buck. And I'm going to match it in his living room. Mm -hmm. So I call trophy hunters, trophy hunters. And here's why, because what, what, what are the, what's the quarterback going to be holding up Sunday night after the football game? Yeah. He's going to be holding the Super Bowl trophy. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Everybody, the Stanley Cup, you name it. It's a trophy because it shows something that you conquered out of skill, determination, grit, all of these things. And it shows that you matched wits with whatever the, the opponent is and you won. You yeah. were able to do it. Just like the buck behind me. It took my dad three years and he hunted that buck almost completely solo or uh, completely solitary to, to take match wits with that buck. And that buck out, outwitted him for two years and the third year he made a mistake. The third year he stopped and looked and mm. that was it. Yeah. So I call them trophy hunters. You can call them what you want. I call them trophy hunters because it has to do with matching wits. It also has to do with management. The easiest way to manage a population because one buck breeds 25 does sometimes a lot more than that um it's easier to manage a population with one buck uh so you can take one buck out which which you know decreases a population significantly mm -hmm. i also look at it is trophy hunting is a mature animal and that's what i want to take for instance two years ago we had a really bad winter here in wyoming or three years ago we had a really bad winter the following year the antler growth was horrible I still took a mature mule deer, but he wasn't huge. He was yeah. a 170 class mule deer, but he was almost eight years old, which yeah. is an old mule deer in Wyoming because our winters are so bad. Oh, for so sure. it's matching wits with something that's old. We use the antlers as a, as a very quick litmus test on how old that deer is. Mm -hmm. I hope that helps. Maybe, maybe oh, I'll yeah, for sure. you guys reach out to me and let me know. But... Yeah. Yeah. No, I mean, I, I, I kind of feel the, the uh, the same way but I, I usually had west for my pursuit of these things because here i mean i still love to take a nice white tail every year sometimes too if i'm lucky uh but as far as filling right. the freezer that's my freezer meat is you know we have white tail we yep. have access to here so that's what's in yep. the freezer so when i'm going to these other places a cow elk tag doesn't interest me in the least i do not care one bit about that right. and some people might think right. that's insane but I already have a freezer full of venison. So when I'm going out West, right. you know, I'm not going to be uh, dishonest and say, I'm not going to, with a bow, I'm not going to shoot the first five by five that makes a mistake. Cause I will do that. Uh, but to me, that's a trophy right. with a bow. So. <laughs> yep. yep. That's exactly right. Yeah. And that's, you know, that's where you're, that's where you are in progression. But if you shot 10 of them in, in the last right. five years or last shot five in the last 10 years you're kind of like oh maybe i'm gonna maybe shoot a six point this time yeah, yeah or maybe i'll make it a really old five point something like that. right right well so let's transition to uh actually let's do this let's take a quick break you're cool to stick around for a few more minutes absolutely good deal and that segment was brought to you by pulsar night vision and thermal imaging technology and the new helion 2.0 xp50 thermal monocular it's the best monocular I've ever used, and trust me when I say, I've pretty much gotten to play with all of them. Been very fortunate in this line of work uh, to test and evaluate 
a lot of different units. The Helion 2.0 is the best of the best. It's got the diverse color palette that you'd expect, internal recording, and when it comes to image clarity, you won't find one better. You can find it at PulsarNV.com. We'll be right back with more from Ike Eastman of Eastman's Hunting Journal on SCI's Lone Star Outdoor Show. There's something nostalgic about the old-timey general store, and that's exactly what you're going to find in downtown Goldwave, Texas, at the Mills County General Store. They're licensed FFL with rifle, pistols, and shotguns, ammo, gun accessories, hunting accessories, deer, corn, and attractants, sporting goods. They've got a wide array of knives to choose from, plus insulated apparel for both work and camo for hunting season, fishing supplies. They've got foods like Anchor Tea, grass-fed beef, Dublin sodas, gourmet sauces, and a whole lot more. Also, Ace Hardware. From wall to wall, they have it all. Check it out. The Mills County General Store right there in Goldweight, Texas. Guys, Cable here for Coon Stopper. If you're tired of losing corn or protein to those pesky raccoons, well, here's your solution. If you're running a traditional feeder that has, you know, those long legs that coons like to climb up, rob you blind, well, you just attach the Coon Stopper to each leg. It's so easy. I just put one on a 300-pound all-seasons feeder, and <laughs> the results speak for themselves. Coons don't like it. They basically attempt one time, realize that it hurts, and they're done. Throw in the towel, just like that. It's the Coon Stopper, and you can find it at alamooutdoorworld.com. Hi, Brett Jepson here with Three Curl Lease Connection. I'd like to invite you to come enjoy some of Texas' best dove hunting just minutes outside of Dallas. We have many private dove leases available for this upcoming season, including milo, wheat, sunflower, and cornfields. Leases come in different sizes and prices, so we can fit anyone's budget. We have the lease that's perfect for you and your group. We don't overcrowd multiple groups into one property, and you'll have the first pick at renewing your lease for years to come. Please visit us at threecurl.com and click on leases for your property listings. That's T-H-R-E-E-C-U-R-L.com. single time that something was promised to me I'd have about $235 and not a lot of wait and see what's gonna be Hey, I'm jaded There's a little cross-Canadian ragweed bringing us back on SCI's Lone Star Outdoor Show powered by Mossberg Firearms Cable Smith here with you. Thank you so much for dropping by today. We've still got Eastman Hunting Journal's Ike Eastman on the line with us. We're going to transition into the big dogs, uh, those gray wolves that get so many people fired up on both sides of the aisle. And uh, we're going to do that momentarily. But first, this segment proudly brought to you by SCI, the worldwide leader and big game conservation, I'm a proud member. I encourage you to do the same, and here's why. SCI puts its money where its mouth is as far as conservation, both domestically and internationally. And, of course, they're doing great things in Washington, D.C., fighting for our rights as sportsmen. So, for more information, head over to safariclub.org. And with that being said, let's dive back into our conversation with Ike Eastman. 
Ike, thanks for sticking around, man. Certainly enjoying the conversation today. And and this is, you know, the most polarizing species in North America, bar none. It gets the antis riled up. It gets us riled up because it affects what we like to do. Um, obviously, being from Texas, I don't see it firsthand. Uh, you know, I, I'm not right. in the backcountry enough. We have coyotes out the ass here. Uh, that's our thing. And we have feral <laughs> hogs, which are equally as, you know, big of a nuisance. Um, but I've been passionate about wolves because I know what they do, even though, you know, I, I don't see it like you do every day. Um, I don't live it. But as a, a hunter and a conservationist who loves to go out west, uh, it's something that I've paid a lot of attention to and studied. And, and, you know, you learn a lot by just talking to people that are there on the front lines, such as yourself and biologists. Right. Um, what have you seen personally in Wyoming as far as how wolves have affected the elk herd? And, and keep in mind, I mean, Colorado just decided uh, – that, hey, we know what wolves did in these other states, and we don't really care. We want to dump them in our state anyway. And Colorado Fish and Wildlife just got caught yesterday uh, collaring a wolf that they released in Colorado. They caught, they didn't catch it until it got into Wyoming. <laughs> oh, wow. So, oops. Yeah. Yeah, southern Wyoming, where there aren't wolves. We did not introduce them in, in southern Wyoming. In fact, that's what we call the predator zone. Uh -huh. Anything out of the outside of the Yellowstone greater ecosystem is what they call it. It's predator zone. So if they get out there, you have a license, they're fair game. You can shoot as many as you want. Huh. Um, so the question, let me give you a little background. Yeah. Um, <laughs> my grandfather, who we talked about uh, before the break, was in British Columbia, spent a ton of time in British Columbia, and he and he found a wolf den with pups in it. And he took these pups, the mother had been uh, killed. He took these pups and ad adopted them. He wanted to study them because they're, they're such a key balancing uh, lever in an ecosystem, okay? When you can take the apex predator in any ecosystem and learn about them and manage them, it's easier to manage your wildlife. Mm -hmm. So he took these wolves, studied them, and then uh, found another set of wolves and took them and studied them all in the same compound, bring back to the 60s, there's no rules, bring back to Wyoming, put them in a compound, a big compound, and studied these two generations and then bred the, the two alphas from each, each uh, pact and ended up with a third set of uh, a third generation of wolves and studied them for better part of 10 years. Now, his reasoning was he wanted to learn not only, you know, not only are they pivotal in, in Canadian, but they used to be here and why are they gone and, and how or if they should be introduced. Mm -hmm. Now, he was quoted in the newspaper in Jackson Hole in the 80s when they were fighting over the wolves. You know, should we bring them back? Should we not? And he was quoted in that paper. Absolutely not. We should not bring them back under any circumstance. And if we do, I feel sorry for the wolves huh. because they are, they, they are the, this ecosystem has changed since yeah. they were here the first time. So fast forward to they obviously made their decisions. Uh, they put the wolves in here in 2000, I think it was 2001. Um, so that's after they no, initially, it was, it was 96. I believe they dumped them in. The, yep. Montana, so Idaho, and Wyoming. They dumped, 
Yep. So they dumped them in 96. And then 2001 is when they started, you know, obviously the packs were getting big enough to be a force. Uh-huh. And I did a, I did a uh, part of my senior thesis was actually on, on wolves and, and oh, their wow. impact and what they do. So a wolf's range is over a thousand miles. If, and which if you put, if you drop a pin in Yellowstone national park and then draw a line a thousand miles in the, and the radius of that, it's pretty much all West out West. It's Colorado, it's Nevada, it's Idaho, Montana. I mean, it's a huge area. What happened with these wolves here, because the ecosystem has changed, you know, and, and not managing them, let them have free run. So what'll happen is a, is a male wolf will get pushed out of a pack when he gets to a certain age, because the yeah. alpha doesn't want, you know, dominant males in there. So he'll get pushed out of the pack. So that wolf will travel and find another female and try and peel a female out of another pack. And then they start their own pack. And that goes on and on and on. The problem with this is, is in a thousand mile range, you either have to control them and leave them in an ecosystem you want to manage, or they're going to be downtown Denver chasing kids. Okay. Mm-hmm. So we've man in Wyoming, we've managed them to keep them away or in the now in the Yellowstone ecosystem on purpose. It's all done on purpose. And right now they've changed the elk migration patterns. They've changed where they're, where these elk are, are breeding. They've changed where they're, they're calving. We've had, there's elk in the red desert, which is, I mean, it is desert. In fact, we just did a TV show about this uh, last over Christmas that one of, guys, one of our buddies drew a tag down in Wyoming in the desert. I'm talking sand dunes. Okay. There's right. these sand dunes. It's called the dunes unit. It, the dunes move around and people migrate or play on these dunes. There's elk down there now. In fact, there's 3000 head of elk down there. If you want to see something funny, go look at an elk standing in a, in a sand dune. You go, is that a camel? <laughs> what, what is that? So the, these elk have migrated and moved out of what we call the Yellowstone ecosystem trying to, to avoid predation. So yeah. they changed them. Do we have as many elk in Wyoming as we, as we always did? Yes, but it, not in the same places. Uh-huh. We don't have, we started in 2001, there was 29,000 head of elk in the Yellowstone uh, herd is what they call it. Yeah. It's down to below 6,000 head because these wolves have just Dispersed annihilated them. them. Okay. Yeah. And people go, oh, it's hunting pressure. No, can't be hunting pressure. Because if you do the math, 6,000 head of elk and you're shooting, let's say you shoot 1,000 head, which you, there's no way you're shooting 1,000 head because there's not that many tags. You're shooting about five to 600 head of elk every year uh-huh. in the Wyoming, in those surrounding areas. So the, so the population should continue to grow if you're only shooting that many. What's happening is in order for it to shrink, you have to not only kill the calves, but you also have to kill the breeding, the breeding females, or at least stress them out enough that they can't, that they abort their calf, which is the other mm. thing that happens. So it's twofold. They're killing the cows when they get on the ground. I'm going to leave bears out of this for a minute because they are, bears are hell on black bears and grizzly bears are hell on elk calves and deer calves and mm-hmm. everything else. But one of my buddies did his, uh, he did his senior thesis in New Mexico and he did it on uh, on black bear predation on mule deer uh, fawns, so it was pretty astounding did, looking at that research. How many how many fawns did he find? 
longer would kill. I don't remember the numbers, dude, but it was, I mean, yeah, I don't remember the numbers, but he would just go from fawn kill to fawn kill and just like, you know, and they'd collar these bears and then they'd follow them around and, and yep. everywhere they went, they they left a trail of, of dead mule deer fawns. Yep. They and did too. a study in Colorado. They, they did a study in, in Northern Colorado of black bears and they found that one, one um, mature adult black bear will kill 30 fawns yeah. in a month. That's incredible. I mean, you start calculating that out and a black bear's range is not very big. Yeah. I mean, you're talking 10 square miles. Uh-huh. That's, that's like every fawn in there. Right. It's crazy. <laughs> so they're hell. I mean, the bears are hell on, on uh, fawn, not to mention coyotes. And these poor things are, you know, coyotes, wolves, black bears, grizzly bears. If they get to, if they get, if they Mountain find lines. September, that first fest there, you know, it's amazing actually. Yeah. So the wolves have been hell uh, in Wyoming in, in the management plan plan that we have in place right now is a, pr- is a really good management plan. Um, the wolves are getting smarter. <laughs> the, uh, I have a, a friend that his whole fall, he wanted to shoot a certain female wolf and uh, he never did get it done, but they, that seems impossible. He says, well, that is, inc- I mean, <laughs> he, he literally spends, four days a week on, on his mules in the back country, uh, hunting or in the, in the summer, he's just kicking around. He's, he's a unique individual, but what is the management plan? The wolves. What's that? I'm sorry. I, I said, yeah. What is leading into going back to the management plan that you had mentioned that you're actually happy with? So they're, they're trying to control the ones in the Yellowstone ecosystem and keep them to a relative number that, it's really kind of stupid because when they introduce them, they're like, oh, we're only, we're only going to put, I think it was 396 wolves. We're only going to allow 396 and be up above and beyond that. We're going to, we're going to manage them. Well, now we're over a thousand head pushing to 1500 wolves and they're just, they're letting us shoot 23, which is ridiculous. That's absolutely ridiculous. You're not even, you're not even scratching the surface on management and it's just going to get out of control. In fact, the wolf I was telling you about, that Colorado uh, collared, they found this wolf in Colorado and they were trying to collar it in, in Colorado. And that wolf, they DNA tested it back to the uh, wolf pack that's in Jackson hole. So he oh, went wow. 350 miles. He was just, you know, he got pushed out and he was looking for, he was looking for a female to start a pack. Uh-huh. Um, the other management tool that they're using in Wyoming and none of the other States, Idaho or Montana have done this, but they have what they call a predation period or area and anything south of certain creek drainages and highways and stuff like that, you can shoot them just with a license. And they're trying to keep them out of the ag and production uh, portions of Wyoming, as well as they're trying to keep them off the winter range because if they get in the winter range down, you know, the red desert, that area, they'll there's those, those animals, because a wolf doesn't just kill and eat. That's one of the misconceptions. People think, oh, oh yeah. they just, they kill and they consume everything that they kill. No. Why am I looking at a predator. picture of 18 dead elk in one pile then, right? Yeah. That exactly. happened in Wyoming one like, wolf, uh, you know, four or five years ago. I remember that story. Yep. Yep. Huh. So what a wolf is, he's an apex predator. By being an apex predator, they're the ones that kill, kill the animals. And then everything else in the ecosystem that is a predator feeds off the coyotes, the badgers, the, the skunks, the the you know the bird population, everything else feeds off of that that one mm-hmm. kill now they clean it up but if you have a you have too many apex predators 
they're killing without cleaning stuff up. It's a, it's a giant waste of a resource. It's like letting, it's like letting timber burn pointless, right. absolutely yeah. pointless. Yeah. And it's the total misconception that they only kill the weak and the old and the young as well. I mean, they're indiscriminate. They, they see something that they think they can kill and they do it and they don't quit because of the pack mentality until they run that animal into the ground, whether it's a 350 inch bull or a yearling calf, it doesn't matter. Um, let's do this. Let's take another break. I want to come back and find out how Wyoming manages or tries to manage the wolf population despite the uh, the feds interference. Sound good? Absolutely. Rock on. That segment, by the way, brought to you by Rustic Reminders Taxidermy with locations in Marion and San Antonio, Texas. Josh and Becky Gunther have been taking care of all of my trophy mounts for going on dang near a decade now. Time flies when you're having fun, right? Uh, they do amazing work, offer quick turnaround time, and they answer the phone when you call. You can find them at gr8mounts.com. We'll be right back with more from Ike Eastman on SCI's Lone Star Outdoor Show. So what do you do with good old boys like Hey guys, Cable here for Quiet Cat, the leader in e-bikes made specifically for overlanding, hunting, fishing, and remote access to the great outdoors. Quiet Cat provides outdoor enthusiasts a means of portable, low-impact transportation while providing you with the most reliable product on the market. I own a Quiet Cat, and it has surpassed all my expectations. It's an amazing machine that stealthily gets me wherever the hunting or fishing adventure takes me. Based out of Eagle, Colorado, Quiet Cat is able to put all of their products to the test, making sure your e-bike is built to last. Visit QuietCat.com or call 970-328-2399 for more info. Hey y'all, Chris Letzinger, online sales manager at Cinnamon Creek Ranch here, reminding you we're not your typical archery club. We're a one-of-a-kind archery facility with indoor and outdoor ranges, full pro shop, and six different 3D courses. Cinnamon Creek was designed by hunters for hunters. Located in Roanoke, Texas, we have over 200 3D targets to hone your archery skills. Call 817-439-8998 or visit us at cinnamoncreekranch.com to visit our new online store. That's cinnamoncreekranch.com. Hey everybody, this is Max Stalling and you're listening to my buddy Cable Smith on Lone Star Outdoor Show. I've got this friend, he's a lawyer in Dallas and his folks grow potatoes out Panhandle Way. He talks of bob wheels and playboys and turkey. Off come his wingtips and boots take their place. That's a good friend, Max Stalling, bringing us back on SCI's Lone Star Outdoors Show Base Run. The name of that one. Uh, thanks to Mossberg Firearms as well. Cable Smith here with you as we are visiting with uh, renowned Western big game hunter Ike Eastman of Eastman's Hunting Journal. Specifically, we're talking predators and have gone down the gray wolf rabbit hole here today, which uh, we will continue down that path here in just a second. But first, this segment brought to you by Big and J Feed and Deadly Dust. The Deadly Dust, uh, actually, whitetail season's over. I threw some out, was it two weekends ago, while on a uh, thermal hog hunt with some boys from Missouri. Every one of us were covered up in hogs within, well, on the first night. So it's got such an aromatic, sweet flavor. These hogs smell it. They come running. So check it out. It's the Big and J Deadly Dust, and you can find it at places like Walmart or BigandJ.com. 
Well, Ike, thanks for sticking around here for one more segment. Let's transition into Wyoming's management plan, if they have one. Imagine the feds kind of uh, handicap them in that regard. But what does your state do in an attempt to manage these rapidly reproducing apex predators? Wyoming said we're going to try and keep these wolves out of out of the lower portion of of Wyoming and and Colorado and places that they were never they never were there. I mean, you can go back to the trapper journals and Colorado didn't have wolves. They had Southern Colorado had what they called the desert wolf, which is not much bigger than a coyote doesn't pack hunt. And so they're going to try and reintroduce, or there are, they're going to do it. They're going to reintroduce these wolves into Colorado for people's pleasure, which I personally find perverted. That is absolutely the, the greatest definition of this is just so they can see a wolf in the wild and they'll never see a wolf in the wild because they're sitting at a cubicle in denver or boulder they're not going to see a wolf yeah and that's what my buddy was telling me is he said these wolves have changed their their habits he goes it's getting really harder and harder and harder each year as they're being hunted these packs are being hunted it's harder and harder to see them uh in daylight in fact the the game and fish they have the ability to go in and, and control packs via helicopter or airplane and they're struggling now because the wolves hear a helicopter and they just get in the black timber. Like, oh, huh. last time we were out in the wild, the helicopter flew by, you know, Bob and Fred, they took it in the teeth. So yeah, we'll go in the black timber where they can't, can't do that for us. So that's interesting. Wyoming does use aerial gunning to help control the population. Mm-hmm. See, I, 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 I uh, tell people that, but yeah. No, that's, it's fine with me. Um, I think that people need to understand that happens. A guy that I, hunted black bear with in Alberta five or six years ago uh, in the um, once the leaves fell off the trees, basically in the middle of winter, he was a gunner mm-hmm. on a government paid helicopter and he got paid by the wolf. He said he killed 400 in one season and that that was 400. Not enough. He said they're just decimating their mule deer population. Um, so people don't realize that the federal government's been doing that with our wolf populations uh, since 2001. They've been, arrow gunning because they knew that if they don't it's going to get out of hand and so Mm -hmm. they do it it's (laughs) my father used to live uh, right on the border of the wilderness up in the mountains here and uh we were sitting there new year's eve one day and all of a sudden you hear a helicopter and usually you know he lives in the middle of nowhere so if you hear a helicopter something bad's happened somebody's lost somebody got you know in in the winter somebody got rolled their snowmobile and broken arm or something it's you know search and rescue Oh no, it's the feds out there on, on New Year's Eve and New Year's Day shooting wolves. At <laughs> Good for <time>. them. <laughs> <laughs> that sounds like a hell of a way yeah. to spend New Year's. Yeah. Um yeah. I, I, I talked to some guys from Idaho fishing game at a uh a DSC convention years ago, and they, they wouldn't like go on the record and have a conversation about it, but they said, Yeah, we we do it. We shoot them out of out of helicopters. Um I don't know if Montana does it. But it's at least good to know that that both Idaho and Wyoming do. Because the feds are doing it, I think that means they're doing it in all the states. Oh, okay. If they're doing it here, they have to be doing it up there. I, I don't Almost think they're allowed to do it in, in the Great Lakes states, are they? That's a whole other... No. Yep, because it's, that's a different... Yeah. They, now that it's I delisted, exact... I wonder if they'll have the ability right. to now that Trump delisted it. Although I saw recently Biden's... He signed. He didn't he, sign an executive order relisting them, but the writing's on the wall that I think they're going to try to do that. That's going to happen. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. We're our wolves are our wolf hunting's done and our bear hunting's done. And in fact, I had some of the friends that 
after the election, they literally spent the entire December trying to shoot as many wolves as they could. Just at least yeah. they got to do it, right? Because it'll it may never happen again in our lives. Have you? Well, even if they relist it, I mean, you guys have had a wolf season when they were um, protected or on the endangered species list. I mean, you could buy. Nope. I know in Mon. No. Well, see, <laughs> the, the story. I know Montana does. That. Yep. So they they relisted them, but they only relisted them in Wyoming. Oh, they, wow. they man, Montana and Idaho were able to keep their management. Really, what happened is they they rejected our management plan, therefore putting them back on the list. Wyoming's uh, okay. management plan, and they did it for like three years, and then uh-huh. Trump got in there and Zinke reversed that order. And then, you know, we, we've been able to hunt them ever since, but that's what'll happen. They don't like okay. our predator zone. Yeah. It's yeah. Well, and they took the bear hunt away from you guys too. Um, yeah. On the day before it happened. Yeah. Actually had <laughs> the guy who thought he was helping the, the grizzlies, the, I guess he's a wildlife photographer. Uh, I wasn't. Oh, the guy that drew the tag that it, wasn't going to use it. I wasn't a hundred percent forthcoming with him when I asked him why I wanted to have him on my show <laughs> uh and so i did <laughs> have him you. on yeah yeah i had him on and had him explain his whole point of view and and afterwards said hey you know this is i knew you wouldn't come on if i told you what you know it was a pro hunting show and uh right but i said i i'd like to air it if you're okay with it and he was he was like yeah it's fine i don't care i hope the bear hunt gets canceled so so i did and he, yeah. he won but yeah. uh yeah <laughs> Oh, uh, that was, that's an just... unfortunate. That's another unfortunate predator problem. When you have sows that are 25 years old, which the, there's a really famous sow that that guy that you're talking about takes a ton of photos. He's, she lives in Teton National Park. She's 25 years old and she's having four cubs each year. Yeah. That means that means that ecosystem is beyond capacity. It's a bad, mm-hmm. that's a bad, bad deal. Four yeah. cubs and she can, and she can, find enough feed and enough stuff to keep all four cubs alive that's a problem i just saw a, a babied I, I just saw a news uh, story like today uh that they found the oldest grizzly ever in yellowstone 35 years old i don't yeah. remember if it was People a sow or a boar yeah but uh yeah, i've only hunted in that bear scene i only hunted in grizzly country um in montana and I was hunting black bear and I saw more grizzly than I did black bear, which this uh, was a, around yeah, Kalispell. Yeah. And I was like, this is a little alarming. Like <laughs> eerie, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> oh. You find out you're not the, you're not the number one uh, predator out there. It's a little well, eerie. Just to the fact that, you know, there's no grizzly season, but yet there was more grizzlies in that unit than there were black bear was like, what? this doesn't make sense really from a management oh, standpoint. Grizzlies are really hard on black bear. They're, they they do not like them, and that's uh, why you never find a, a grizzly bear black bear cross because they don't exist. Grizzly bears kill them constantly. Uh-huh. So if you find if you find a black bear in an area that has a lot of grizzly bears, he's going to be giant because he's been able to fend them off. Right, right. Um, have you taken a wolf since you guys in, enacted the season? I have not. I have not taken a wolf. Uh, primarily because the best wolf hunting is in December and January. And typically minus COVID uh, we're on the show circuit. So yeah. I, I'm, I'm almost never here. I've had the opportunity twice 
in, in fall in the fall and I uh, get to couldn't get the stars to align to, to make it happen. Uh-huh. But uh, I've never taken one. I uh, was on my list. fortunate to get one in uh, British Columbia, but I didn't, I did a trap line trip. So oh, I nice. wanted, the whole point was I wanted a wolf and I, you know, you look at all these outfitters from Montana and Idaho and you, right. you figure out that your odds of seeing a wolf on a week long hunt is like 50% and your odds of getting a shot at one is like 20%. Right. The trap line deal was like, 80 percent you're gonna catch a wolf i was like yep sign sign me up for that one uh, <laughs> that works <laughs> yeah but it was I'm cool because i that's cool i actually got to shoot at one on a bait pile like right at legal shooting time and missed it um it was a pretty good poke and visibility yeah. wasn't you know it wasn't 100 uh, percent. we literally were looking at the clock like is it legal is it legal is it legal it's going to leave the bait pile it was a, so- a solitary wolf the guy's like, right. whenever you're ready, you know, you're, he's looking at his clock. He's like, it is now legal shooting time. I'm like, boom. And I just pulled the shot and, uh, cool. but, uh, but yeah, so, you know, there's my sob story, oh, but did you, get a, on the, did you get a black or a gray, a gray, a gray female? She weighed about 90 pounds. Yeah. Yeah. I still did dispatch her. She was alive in the trap. I don't think I've ever said that on the air, but that was, I don't know, I'm pretty transparent, um, <laughs> about, about what I do and, you know, I don't, I think the 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 ethical thing to do is to dispatch them as quickly and humanely as possible. We do a we do a fair amount of raccoon trapping out of out of my my place. They're rampant, the little buggers. And uh, we had one here two weeks ago that that son of a gun chewed his arm off. <laughs> I didn't even know they do that. Jeez, yeah, that's called survival right there. Yeah, I uh, I've caught coyotes and raccoons and. And I've had coons get out of the leg holds and the raccoons never, I mean, the, and the coyotes never do. So I don't, they, they say a guy that they, my buddy, who's pretty said, if you break their bone, they end up breaking their bone in the trap of coon. That's when they'll chew it off. Cause that's what yeah. I call them, trash pandas. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. That, I, I highly recommend those trap, that trap line trip though. We caught, uh, lynx, got a Wolverine, coyotes oh that's so cool got the wolf a bunch of pine martins um yeah it was a did you you guys kill the the wolverine oh yeah yeah dude that is awesome he got caught in a link set and he had a wire uh around his foot that he had chewed through and the guy called his brother and he's like did you lose a wolverine over here last week he's like i did man he's like we just caught him and uh yeah it was a that was a tough animal i had to shoot it three times from you know point blank range with a 22 it that wouldn't die that guy's like don't shoot it again you're gonna mess up the fur i was like it's, it it's not dead i'm gonna shoot it again <laughs> <laughs> yeah they're they're a neat they're a cool little sucker they they have uh, uh okay so i'm gonna tell you this this is funny my dad made us learn a bunch of of outdoor knowledge as kids we know weird things like when porcupines breed pork you know all kinds of weird stuff every river in wyoming i can tell you which which uh which river it dumps into and which ocean it dumps into uh-huh. weird things like that a wolverine is one of the only animals in fact there's only like six on the animals in north america that can lay down in the snow and their fur is so thick that when it stands up it is never it's not melted any of the snow underneath it huh wow that crazy it's incredible yeah that's yeah. why if you look at the old trap, some of the old trapper stuff, you'll see those guys make Wolverine hats because they're the warmest fur in North America. One of the warmest fur. In uh-huh. North America. 
Oh, well, I might, I'm getting mine life-sized. I might have to call the guy and say I need a cap out of it instead. I will show <laughs> you my uh, my links, though. Oh, that is awesome. It's, uh, it's chasing a pine marten, and if I flip a little button there, it actually rotates 360 degrees on that pedestal. It's pretty cool. That is way cool. Yeah. yeah. Oh, man. Lynx are cool. They are, they're another neat animal. Yeah, absolutely. So what do you think? Is that, is that buck happen? got a dropper? Uh, yeah, that's a high fence deer, though, so don't worry about that. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> oh okay. Never mind. Uh, yeah. In this line of work in Texas, sometimes you get invited to uh, go to a buddy's ranch, and it's, uh, it's not what Eastman's is based off of. Uh, it's I, a totally different. I don't judge them. I'm, yeah, that's cool. Well, what, whatever you're into, well, not you know, my but thing, but that's okay. But like you just said, you looked at that deer and I was like, "Oh, that's cool. It's an impressive deer." And then I'm immediately like, uh, "You know what? Let me show you my little uh, <laughs> six point mule deer that I shot above the vortex sign." <laughs> oh yeah, yeah, okay, yeah. There's a that's a, a free range elk from New Mexico that I shot with a bow. Nice. Yeah, that's, that's uh, awesome. It's an old that, bull. Yeah. So very uh, cool. That's a trophy to me. Um, the yeah. other stuff is just, I look at it like this coming from Texas. Uh, these guys that maybe they work nonstop. They don't have a lot of time. They have all the resources financially to go and shoot a nice deer. Yeah. Um, I'm, I'd rather them go shoot it at a high fence than not hunt at all, not buy a license. Yep. So that's yep. how I look at that. I agree. So I figure they're on our team, even though they do it a little different uh, from the way that I prefer to do it. But uh, yeah, yep. as long as it's not in my opinion, as long as it's not hurting your own helping society, like you said, those guys are buying tags. They're helping Texas wildlife across the state by doing that, and that's yeah. that's in, you know that's a huge deal. They're going to Dallas Safari Club. They're donating money. They're buying hunts. They're I mean it's that's what it is. And not to mention, you know, you got boxes of hornady back there. Not to mention, it's because I'm going a on a buffalo hunt. Yeah, are you really? Yeah, uh, I leave on the 18th of February. Yeah, where at? Uh, uh South Africa. Yeah, nice. So, uh, Eastern Cape. Can you fly there now? Uh, yes, you can. You have the, to get I... a you have to get a negative COVID test three uh, 72 hours before you leave, and you have to take another one to fly back. But uh, this trip got postponed from last summer, so I mean it's okay. going to be hot as hell there. It's going to be the middle of their summer, yeah, which I have summer. not experienced before. But uh, the animals haven't been hunted in a year and a half, so that's good. <laughs> Oof. Yeah. yeah, that's gonna be that's. I we were I was my dad was supposed to go to Namibia last summer, and he he and I were just talking about it today about or yesterday about what he's gonna do if he's gonna go this summer or not. And uh, I told him I said you know we're from Wyoming, mask mandate. Yeah, we all just kind of laughed that we we don't wear masks here. <laughs> I mean, if you see somebody in the masks in, in the grocery store, you look at them and go. Okay, that's an 80-year-old woman. She's probably not going to rob the place. Put the pistols right. away, boys. We're okay. <laughs> but I told him, I said, Dad, you're going to sit on an airplane or two airplanes, eight hours of a stretch in a mask? I don't think I don't see that happening, man. He's like, oh, yeah, I don't even like going. Because we have to go to Montana to, to uh, grocery shop. And he's like, I don't even like going up there to Costco. I have to wear a mask for 30 minutes. <laughs> yeah, imagine that for eight and a half hours yeah yeah i think i'm gonna put it off till this is all done yeah so, who knows no thanks which i already had Maybe. covid i had it I, yeah us too went through so, my household and we just played a giant game of what can you taste 
Right. <laughs> <laughs> I still can't smell seven weeks later. So really slowly coming back. Um, but yeah, I mean, like it's, I haven't smelled a fart in damn near two months. <laughs> <laughs> Your wife's probably like, can I have that? <laughs> yeah. 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 Um, now it's the whole thing. I, I heard a health professional in Wyoming just two days ago on Sunday say that we're really close in Wyoming to uh, herd uh, immunity. So hmm. I, I think by this summer, it's going to be gone in yeah. my opinion. It'd be nice if the elk could get herd immunity from the wolves. Yeah, yeah, exactly. (laughs) They got parvo. It's okay. Yeah. Well, interesting stuff, man. (laughs) Uh, I've I've certainly enjoyed the conversation today. Uh, Hopefully, we'll be able to do this again sometime in the near future. Uh, If you want to give us your website, where folks can follow you on social, all that good stuff. Eastmans.com. Facebook's Eastman's Hunting Journals. Uh, Instagram's the same thing. YouTube, we have we have uh, new content on YouTube coming up every single day. Is what if you're into Western hunting, mm-hmm. uh, we have gear reviews and and hunts. So Eastman's Hunting Journals, check us out. It's fun. It's we have a lot of good times, and I love reading the comments, especially YouTube because they're all half of the people on there are crazy. But that's okay. oh yeah. Uh, last question I have for you. So if I want yeah. to, you know, I've killed three. I've killed three bulls. I haven't missed an elk season in, I don't know, seven years, I think. Once I went, I was like, oh, I'm, I'm going every year. Um, I'm addicted to that. I am. I, I, you know, it's weird being from Texas and, and having this affinity for, for, for me, it's elk. You know, like you said, there's people in your office that are all about the big yep. mule deer. Um, yep. Where, what's the best opportunity to get, to have a shot at a 350-inch bull over the counter? Um, Wyoming. We don't okay. have over-the-counter tags, but we have general tags that you can draw every every two to three years. Mm-hmm. And every elk unit in Wyoming has a 350 bull in it, at least one, probably two or three. Um, if you're doing archery, I would say Idaho is a great place. Over-the-counter archery elk tags, um, they have they don't manage it great for for elk, um, but they have awesome opportunities. Okay, in, in Idaho. And I'll throw this out there. You can draw in Montana with one point. Uh, a lot of times you can draw uh, a decent unit. I, I'm pretty sure I saw a couple 350s the one time I bow hunted there. And, uh, yeah. and Montana's got a lot of elk areas that, especially if you're archery hunting, that yeah. you can hunt that is outside of the grizzly bear uh, areas, that you can hunt archery and uh, pull a three, 300 to 340 bull almost every year if you wanted to every other maybe right, on, right on. especially if you get good at it yeah so, well i keep putting in for you know i'm building my points in utah and all these other places so someday putting in for wyoming uh i i buy the points in wyoming yeah um yeah yeah so i, I don't know points, how many yeah. um probably three or four i wish i would have started earlier okay. in life like i yeah. wish my dad would have sat me down and said you need to buy points in all these states like you know, yeah 15 years ago yeah um but uh, the one that i don't well, mess with point is creepers. arizona because i'm not going to pay the 300 dollars. i mean by, by the time you get your yeah. your elk tag in arizona uh you could have just paid for an outfitted hunt yeah you could have went to ranching for wildlife in colorado and could today absolutely yeah. <laughs> well awesome stuff yeah, man thanks again it. ike I've, I've certainly enjoyed it and uh, look forward to the next time appreciate it all yeah, right thank you So there he goes, Ike Eastman of Eastman's Hunting Journal. 
fascinating stuff all the way around, uh, especially that last part. God, I remembered personally <laughs> because I would like to elevate my archery elk game and, and take a, a trophy class bull. Uh, not that, that I'm ashamed of the two five by fives and the little six by six that I have, but man, it would be, uh, be awesome to, to get one. Well, let's put it this way. All of those bulls have been European mounted. I would like one that will look good over the fireplace, shoulder mounted, uh, much to my wife's chagrin. Anyway, that segment was brought to you by All Seasons Feeders and Lone Star Ag Credit. Uh, thanks to all of you guys and gals for being a part of today's show. Thanks to Ike as well and uh, all of our sponsors for making this show possible. Until next time, I'm Cable Smith saying thanks for listening to SCI's Lone Star Outdoors show. And y'all have a great week in the outdoors. There's a burial ground beneath a cattle herd. Mr. Henry Ford's building me a Thunderbird, my Thunderbird, my Thunderbird.